May is what? Missions Month, 2019 Missions Month. Um, and then we have, guess, who do we have next week? Teen Challenge. So you don't want to miss next week. Um, every year on Memorial Day weekend, we bring in Teen Challenge, and they're a phenomenal group. It's a drug and alcohol rehab program. Um, it's helped our church. We've had a number of people in the history of our church who have gone through the Teen Challenge program, set them free from drugs and alcohol, and it's a wonderful program. They'll be here. They sing some songs. They give incredible testimonies to what the Lord has done. So that'll be next week. So that's how we kind of always do our missions. We start off with a, just a world-class missions speaker, and then we end up with Teen Challenge. The most successful drug and alcohol rehab program on the face of the earth is Teen Challenge. And so that'll be next week. You don't want to miss it. So in so for, for today, in our missions month, what we do as part of it, that's kind of what the overview of Missions Month is, is this. We take time to celebrate, and we take time to evaluate. Those are the two things. And we celebrate what um, has been done through us as a church, through our Kingdom Builders ministry. Kingdom Builders is our ministry that expands the gospel message around the world. It could be from anything local to across the globe for world missions. Anything that expands the gospel is kingdom builders. So we look at, we celebrate, what have we done? What have we been part of in expanding the kingdom of God beyond the walls of Portview Church as we partner with other ministries and other missionaries all across the world and right here in our backyard? We celebrate that we have had the privilege to invest time and also resources that God has entrusted to us to spread the gospel message um, to those who need it who are desperate for help and for love, and those who have, in many cases, never even once heard the gospel message. So we, we celebrate because God is including us in making an eternal difference. And we made a difference in, in, in last year. So it's, it's, you know, it's May, but we're looking back over in the 2018 year. It's, it's May, but, but last year, we as a church did amazing things through Kingdom Builders. Somebody guess, what do you think our total giving to Kingdom Builders was? This is above our tithing, our, so this is above the support of a local church, separate giving designated to Kingdom Builders. How much do you think we gave away last year for Kingdom Builders? Somebody make a guess. 5000 30000 You know what this church gave last year for Kingdom Builders? $99,000 for Kingdom Builders. Give yourself a hand. You gave that. Our annual budget... For the operation of the church, is about 500000 They say a super healthy church will give 20% above their, their operations for, for missions giving, for kingdom builders giving. That means like you're on the top tier of churches in how you understand missions if you give 20%. Well, guess what? 100000 is 20% of 500000 That's what you people did. We had a goal last year. The year before, we were at 71000 and we sat down and we made a goal. We said, we're going to be 100000 last year. Well, we came up $1,000 short um, at 99000 That's what we gave to Kingdom Builders last year. All kinds of things. A huge portion of that Kingdom Builders money is our world missions support. We give, you give. We give together. Um, and some of you need to hear this because you don't understand what the people next to you are doing if you've not joined in yet. We give about $3,500 every single month to support just world missionaries around the world. That's giving them a check every month. That's what you guys do, $3,500 plus every month to world missionaries. We gave last year um, 
put a, put, put a picture up in the Powells. The Powells, they are going, the Powells are a family from our district. They're going to Thailand. They're just leaving right now. The Powells, she is a worship leader, and guess what she went through the last couple of years? She found out she had lung cancer. While she was a pastor, heading to Thailand, she had her entire lung removed and said, I'm still going to Thailand. They are, so they're, they're just about there. They were short on cash. They sent out an email the other day. You guys gave them $500 cash the other day. That's, I sent them a check for, or Pastor Mitch did, but we sent them a check for 500 bucks the other day to help fulfill their cash budget to get them over to Thailand. That's what Kingdom Builders did. Kingdom Builders last year, put the picture of this little girl up here. I can't remember what her name is. It's up there. Agnes. Agnes from the Women's Care Center. Um, remember when the Women's Care Center came this last summer? And we'll be doing that baby bottle thing fundraiser again. Agnes is alive. I should actually look at tell you what it says. Agnes is alive because people like us gave to the Women's Care Center and her mother came in, was considering going across the street to an abortion clinic or going on the other side of the street to the Women's Care Center, chose to go in there, was loved on by the people. They gave her a 4D ultrasound. She saw her baby and said, how could I possibly kill that baby? And she had the baby, and now Women's Care Center helped her in that process and helped helps continue to help them raise their kids. They don't just stop at the birth. They help them raise their kids. You guys gave them, we gave them as a church, last year, just from one fundraiser, just over $4,000 to their... to, to um, the Women's Care Center, so that that little baby is alive, and they, I forget the numbers, over a 1,000 babies in this last very short period of time that they can just completely say that baby is alive because of the ministry of this one Women's Care Center. And so that m- money matters. Um, last year, um, we gave to um, Pastor Anatole, who, some of you, who I went to Moldova. Some of you aren't here. So, some of you Moldova people here. We think about, so all these people. We went to Moldova. You all met Pastor Anatole. Pastor Anatole is one of the finest men I've ever met on the planet. He pastors in the former Soviet Union where they tried to destroy Christianity. He pastors a church there and he's just the most kind man I've ever met. And he was living in an old Soviet apartment with five children and his wife. No room, just a dump. All his energy and life and resources went in the church. And some people came together. Um, uh, Bob McKay, who spoke here a couple years ago, um, he oh, actually one year ago, he came in and said, "Hey, let's raise the money, Mark. Let's raise the money to put Pastor Anatole in. The, they got this ability to buy a house, and we can refurbish it for him. He has no money. And so you guys gave two thousand five hundred dollars last year to help get Pastor Anatole's house done. And I think the pictures of Pastor Anatole and, the, and his on his house are on the wall on our Kingdom Builders wall, right outside the sanctuary. If you haven't seen them." Look at them. So as a church, last year, we have something to celebrate. We gave $99,000 to Kingdom Builders Ministries, and we can say this. I can spend the entire time, and I was, I was tempted to do this, just to take the entire time and just tell stories of we did this, and we did this, and we did this. Because imagine the $3,500 a month just to world missionaries, that comes out to a little over 40000 a year. We gave over double that to other things, to ongoing ministries that we support, to a women's care center, to teen challenge. Those, none of those run for free. And you guys help support all of those. So what we do during Missions Month is we celebrate. We say, thank the Lord. Can you imagine? You guys were guessing 5,000 and 30,000. That's be- how do we give 99,000? It's because, because we look at it and we say, 
world missions and local missions matter, and I am going to say, I'm going to make an adjustment in my lifestyle probably because I want to give to something eternal. I want to store up riches in heaven, not just buy more stuff um, for, for earth. So we celebrate that today, right? Something worth for all to celebrate? 99,000? Baby Agnes alive? That's worth celebrating. Pastor Anna's loving the house to live in? That's something to celebrate. So we celebrate, but we also evaluate during our missions month. We evaluate what is God wanting to do through us this year? What else is God inviting us to invest into? Um, it's a time that we ask God what he wants um, from us as individuals and as a church, and we do this. And this is the honest, God honest truth. We listen for the voice of God. We listen and say, God, not what does, I don't want to be coerced. I don't want to be arm twisted. I want to say, God, I live in this wonderful kingdom of abundance that you've put me in. You've put us in one of the most influential places on the planet, um, the 25th wealthiest county in, the, in America you've put us in. And so that we can then, I want to listen and say, what do you want to do through me to help advance the kingdom of God locally and around the world? Now, before we could ever answer the question, what would God want us to do with that? I think we need to answer a different question. And it's a much deeper question that I think needs to be answered for us before we could ever say, what should I do for missions? And it's this. Why should we or do we care about partnering with God to help other people? Well, believe it or not, Jesus talked about that um, one day. Actually, he talked about it on the last day that he was on earth, on the day that he ascended into heaven to the Father's right hand. Now, they say this. They say this a little different. They say a dying person's words are really important because they're going to say what's important. Well, how important do you think the last words that Jesus said before he ascended to heaven um, would be for us to listen to? So what he did is he talked about, in those very last words, he talked about our circle and then the circles that extend beyond us. You say, I don't remember that. Well, let me show you. Grab your Bible. Turn to the book of Acts, the history book of the, of the, of the church. Acts chapter 1. You there? You powered up? John, I see you switched back to a paper Bible so that it didn't talk to you out loud. <laughs> I'm a non-techie guy myself. So Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at the first 11 verses. I wanted to put it in context, so I'm reading the whole story here. It says, The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So, this is, so, so um, Luke, who wrote this, is writing for a rich man named Theophilus, who says, investigate about Jesus for me. So he wrote the Gospel of Luke about the life of Jesus. Then he does research, and he writes the book of, of Acts about the development of the early church. Verse 2, Until the day... When he was taken up to heaven, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom of God to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothes stood beside them, and they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. So what do we have here? We have Jesus. Here's Jesus. He was crucified um, 40 days earlier. And then he rose from the dead. And then during that 40-day period of time, what's it say? He began to appear to his followers. Now, those are the stories that you read in the Gospels. He appears to his followers. Things like, when the, remember when the disciples were all hiding in a room one day after Jesus had been crucified, and they all thought the Romans would come after them? So they're in behind locked doors, and remember as they're there and they're afraid, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden, Jesus walks through a locked door, and he appears to them. Remember what he always says, his first greeting all the time? Don't be afraid. Fear not. I'm here. You know? It was stories like that 40 days. And that 40 days, and when he did things like when the disciples, they got kind of fed up, you know, like, you know what, our guy we followed is dead. And so what are we going to do now? So Peter says, I'm going back fishing. I'd probably choose, right, Rich? Go back fishing. I go back fishing. And uh, they're fishing all night, and they don't catch a fish. And they come up near shore, and they see a guy sitting by a fire, and he's cooking something. And the guy says, hey, did you catch anything? They don't even know who it is. And uh, they go, nah, I've been fishing all night. I haven't got a thing. He goes, throw your net on the other side of the boat. They're like, well, you don't know anything about fishing, but okay. They throw it over. What happens? The net's overloaded with fish. They pull it in, and Peter's going, I've been through this before. Because Peter had that same experience earlier in Jesus' ministry. He goes, that's Jesus. And he jumps into the lake, and he swims to Jesus. And Jesus is cooking fish for them, and they, they sit around, they get some more fish, and they, and they sit there and they eat at the, at the seashore. And that's also the time when Jesus, Paul, Peter has to come to the terms of the fact that he had rejected Jesus three times. When Jesus looked at him at that day and said, you know, do you love me? Feed my sheep. You know, three different times. And so all those things were happening in that 40-day period of time, right? And now on his final day, he's with his followers on the earth. He talks to them, I'm going to say this, he talks to them about circles. You go, I don't see circles. That's, that's what they're... Look at, let me explain. Look at verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. What he's really talking about here is concentric circles. He's saying that they would be witnesses here, and then the circle will get bigger, and then the circle would include other people, and the circle would get wider and include other people. He's talking about circles, really, um, that, 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 that would start with Jerusalem would be the first circle, and that's their, that's their own circle. That's their circle. That's, that's their personal world. That's where they lived, Jerusalem. That's where their friends were. That's where their families lived. That's where they went to work, and that's where they had their fun. It was their circle. And without a doubt... 
they loved the people in their circle. And without a doubt, they wanted to help the people in their circle. And of course, they wanted to tell the people in their circle about Jesus. Because what had happened? They just come through 40 of the most amazing days that's ever existed in human history. They had just seen Jesus alive after he was dead. And for 40 days, he was appearing to them. And even though everyone knew he was dead, now he's alive and he's showing up, walking through walls. He's saying, hey, did you catch any fish? You know, and so they wanted to tell everyone in their circle the good news that Jesus is alive and that he wants everybody to find new life in him. And, and that's the message they talked. That's the gospel message they told to their circle. Hey, guys, you thought he was dead. We saw him crucified. I'm telling you, he's alive right now. And when he died and he rose again, he defeated Satan. He defeated the enemy. He broke the power of sin and death over humanity. And now if someone is in Christ, this living Savior, they can say no to sin for the first time. They can overcome. They can be set free. They can live a beautiful, free life because he broke the power of sin. That's what they told everybody in their circle. And they said, you know what? He also broke the power of death. That in Christ we have eternal life. It starts the moment that you come to understand that Jesus is Lord and Savior and you receive him into your life. You give your life to Jesus. It begins then and it will never end. And so these folks experienced that in those 40 days and they began to tell everybody in their circle. You got to know, isn't that what we would do? You find out this amazing news that changes your world and changes your future. You tell everybody in your circle. But notice something about Jesus. What it says in Acts. Look, look what it says. It says he didn't stop with their circle. That he drew another circle around their circle, and then he drew another circle around their circle, and then he drew another circle around their circle, and he said that they would take the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just to their circle, but to everybody else in every other circle as well. And he's very specific in who he says he would take it to. He first of all says that you'll take the message and the love of Jesus to Judea. Well, that's national. That was the nation they're in. They would take it to their whole nation, not just their little community, but they would expand outside their community and they would take it to the whole nation, taking the gospel to people everywhere in their whole country that needed to hear the gospel. He says, you know what? You're responsible for more than just these. I'm going to have you take it to those in the whole nation. So for us, it's saying you're going to take it to all of America, not just Port Washington, but all of America, the gospel would go to. And that would be national. He says also, though, he puts another circle. And this is maybe the hardest circle. He says not only you take it to your whole nation, but there's some sub-circles, really, within that other circle. You're going to take the gospel to Samaria. Now, Samaria was a place, a, a group of people, the Samaritans, and a location that the Jews just despised. Going to Samaria was going cross-culturally. It was going to a group of people that lived and believed differently than they believed. It was going to a completely different culture. The Samaritans were the enemies of the Jews. They were descendants of the Jews who had intermarried. When the Jews were scattered, when they were conquered, some of the Jews stayed behind, and those Jews intermarried with Gentiles, and then they came, they came together, and they were, so they weren't purebred Jews anymore, and so much so that they want, were they resistant from the Jews and pushed away by the Jews, that they actually created their own worship and even built their own temple that rivaled the Jewish temple. They actually worshiped differently. And Jesus says, look what he says. 
you're going to be my witnesses to the Samaritans. To the people that you feel are traitors, that you feel are inferior, that you feel are your enemies. Because they remember Jesus, how he was always freaking people out because he was talking to, to Samaritans and they're like, you can't talk to her, they're our enemies. You're going to go to your enemies, to those people who are different than you are, and get this, those people who are opposed to your worship. Remember the lady at the well that Jesus ministered to? She's a Samaritan lady. And she said, I think you're a prophet. We worship on this mountain, and you worship on that mountain. And there's different, different ideas of worship. He'll say, a day's coming when you're not going to worship on that mountain or this mountain. There's a day coming where you're going to worship in spirit and in truth. He's saying, he's saying, listen, you're even going to go to people who worship differently than you. That's cross-cultural. That's why the overturps go to Libya and why we take our hard-earned money and we write out checks every single month and say it's worth the investment because the circle included people who are cross-culturally. But it didn't stop there. Did you do another circle? He said, you're going to take the gospel to the remotest parts of the earth. That's internationally. That's to the people that know nothing about um, the gospel that have, and have no tie with you and with me. Let's face it. If the nation of Libya was nuked today and every person died, not one of us would probably know a person who died. And you could say, well, then it's none of my business. Jesus said, no, it's your business. Even though you don't know them, even though he says, he draws a circle around them, and he says, they're included in the people that you're going to take the gospel to. You're going to take them to people on the other side of the world that you've never even heard of, you've never seen, but I'm going to raise up some people who say, I just want to go there. And you're going to scratch your head and go, are you nuts? Why do you want to go there? Well, God wants me to go. When we went to Cambodia, our family said we were insane. Why do you, you're crazy. Why would you leave here and go to Cambodia? We just thought we needed to go and help them hear about Jesus. And so you draw, God, Jesus draws a circle bigger and bigger and bigger, concentric circles. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the remotest parts of the earth. And Jesus said that his followers would take his message to each of these circles. Now, here is the question we must answer today if we are going to join in that mission of taking the gospel to the concentric circles. And it's this, it's what we said earlier. Why should we care? Why should we want to get involved? Why would we possibly give towards that kind of stuff our time, our energy? Why would somebody go down to the Inner Beauty Center and help um, with a ministry that reaches um, prostitutes and sex trafficked ladies in Milwaukee? Why would they take their Friday night to do that? Why would somebody take money out of their account and send it so we can support a missionary somewhere else around the world? Well, the answer is also found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And I want us to look at that, but I'm going to say this. I'm give you a disclaimer. It's interesting. Suzanne gave a disclaimer this morning before she said something. And uh, she said, I'm not trying to coerce or something like that, or shame, and I'm not either. But I actually wrote in my notes. I said, I want to say something to you. This is exactly what I wrote. So I wouldn't get it wrong. I want to say that I'm not saying this with any attempt to condemn or coerce. That I want to say but I think it's a truth we need to hear. And I've been thinking long and hard about this 
And I can only come up with one answer as to the, to the question as to why. Why would I care? Why should you care? Would you care? Why would any one of us get involved in taking Jesus' message to those outside our circle, to people who are different, we might not even like, and that we don't, would never even get to know, and would never even know if they died? Why would we care? Why do we care? Why did we care 99,000 reasons? And it's this. Because the effect of the Holy Spirit within you and me. That's the answer. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Look what Jesus does here. He ties involvement in taking the message of Jesus to others inside our circle and outside our circle and all the concentric circles. He ties that to the activity of the Holy Spirit within us. In other other words, and I say this carefully and in love, your desire and my desire to spread the good news is tied to the reality of the Holy Spirit within us. It's tied to you and me being in sync with the voice and the heart of the Holy Spirit. Now, the reason I'm so careful about saying that is because somebody could take that and use it like a club. Could use it to condemn and to coerce and to beat people with it, and I don't ever want to do that. You know, saying if, if you don't get involved in, in spreading the good news yourself and in, through kingdom builders, then, then there's an issue between you and the Spirit. Well, here's what I know. That's never my place to say. It's not. And I'm not saying that. That's between you and God. But what I would say, and again, I say this just as a, to consider, that if taking the love of Jesus to others isn't a big deal in your life, such a big deal that it'll actually change how you live in some capacity, then maybe the thing to do to figure it out is to just sit with God for a while and listen for his voice and ask him, what is his heart towards people and the others? Maybe you never considered it before. Maybe you never thought about it before. Because the world doesn't teach us to care. Maybe you never thought about it before. But sit with God for a while and ask him to reveal his heart to you. Because I really believe this. I believe it's a heart issue. Jesus came to us. He gave it all for us because of his heart of love. And when we invite the Holy Spirit to fill us and to empower us and to change us like Acts 8.18 is inviting us to do, our hearts begin to beat in sync with the heart of God. And what the heart, how the heart of God beats is his heart beats in love for every person on the planet everywhere. God is not the God of America only. He's the God of Libya and Syria and Iran and Iraq and any other place you can think of where the gospel message is so limited. He's the God of everyone, everywhere. He wants all people to hear the good news that he loves them and he has set them free from sin and that in him they can live a good and beautiful life and an eternity with him. He wants that for everyone, not just us 
blessed enough to live in a place where it's on every corner. We live in a place right now, if I go that way, one mile I can hit a church, and if I go that way, a couple hundred yards I hit a church. That's not a lot of the world. So why do we care enough to support the work of God around the world to people outside of our circles? Because the Holy Spirit within us gives us the heart of God for what he loves, and that's people everywhere. And that's why we care. That's why we give. That's why we serve. That's why so many people go. You know what our biggest problem right now in the Assemblies of God is? Admissions? Trying to come up with the money to send all the people who want to go. Isn't that amazing? Think of it. There's more people standing in line saying, I'm ready to go to some, some place that's hard and poor and difficult usually. More people standing in line to go than we have support to send them. Isn't that amazing? Friends, that's why of kingdom builders. That's why we're part of this. And so we, we celebrate and we evaluate. Every May, we say, God, thank you that, that you're changing the world and I can't even believe it. We're, we're nobody. We're living in this little tiny town of 10,000 people you know, on the side of Lake Michigan you know, in southeast Wisconsin, but you're using us in, a, in dramatic ways to change the world. And we celebrate that. And then we say, but God, what else do you want? What else do you want? God, what else could you do through us? Never as a way of coercion or condemnation, but with a sense of excitement. What could you do through us if we have your heart? What could you do? What do you want to do? So I want to finish up our time, the last 10 minutes together today explaining how Kingdom Builders works in our church. And, and the reason I'm doing this, how our giving works, the reason I'm doing this today is because I was asked to do this by a number of people. I did the exact same illustration last year, and a number of people said, man, do that again. So here's what I want to do. Basically, at Portview, economically, we have two buckets that we give into at our church. Um, the first is our tithe bucket. And our tithe bucket, this is just Bible. Bible says give the first 10% of what you earn to the work of God and it's supposed to be at your local church because it's what supports the ministry of the local church. The Bible calls it a tithe and we give it to our local church. So that's how we support our church. The tithe, um, and, 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 and in this, a lot of us are doing this and some of you are building margin, financial margin into your life to move towards this because you didn't understand this principle. And this is a principle that basically says this, I put God first, he always takes care of me. And that's how I've lived my life ever since I became a Christian. You put God first, I never worry about my finances. God takes care of me. So some of you are doing this, and some of you are moving towards this in supporting it. That support, the tithe supports all the ministries of our local church, all the buildings, all the staff, all the helping, all the serving, the snow plowing. You know you've got to pay the snow plow every, every time you snow plows? You're all praying for snow. I'm always praying the snow's everywhere but at the church. Because then the guy's got to, I always do. I, Rich has snowplow business. I told him, I pray snow everywhere, snow everywhere else, except on top of the hill in Port Washington. Because then our snowplowers, we don't have to pay that bill every single month. You know, and it's big in the winter. It costs a lot of money to keep the plot, the lot open. Um, but there's a lot um, to be done in this world that can't be supported by the tithes of a church. And in scripture, the way those other things are supported is what scripture calls an offering. The offering is separate from the tithe. We pay our tithe and we give our offerings. It's above and beyond the tithe. And the offering 
is what we call kingdom builders and is for kingdom expansion. The offering in, old, in the scriptures, when they had the offerings, was always to expand something, to build the tabernacle, to build the temple. It was to, exp- to expand what was going on in the work of God. So the offering was and is for the support of taking the gospel to where, um, where it isn't yet and may, a lot of times where we can't take it because physically we're just not there. So our second bucket is our, our offering or our kingdom expansion or our kingdom builder's bucket. And within this second bucket, there are all the things that we support that expand the kingdom. And so let's do it this way because they're in the wrong bucket. I'll, I'll put them over there. So these are all the things that expand the kingdom that we use all the time. All the little buckets are the big ones. So things like when we do a VBS in town, it costs thousands of dollars. We support that. Divorce care. we got to pay for all the materials and all the advertising. That's local. Um, Faith That Works Project. That was from last year, um, but we do things that we're doing something similar right now with a class where people are actually given funds to go and spread the gospel within their own community. Um, Things like Movie in the Park. This year, we're doing Movie in the Park differently. We're actually partnering with the city, but we're doing, in place of Movie in the Park, a hometown heroes event that's even bigger than Movie in the Park that will cost us three, $4,000 minimum, maybe more, um, in order to honor first responders, firefighters, policemen, EMTs, um, all those people. And so um, dispatchers, all those people, we're doing a special day. You're going to be the servants for it the end of August, and we're doing it here on site, all the jump houses, a petting zoo, all kinds of stuff. And you're going to invite every police officer and EMT and rescue squad worker that you know to come here, and we're going to share love with them. But guess what? We say, it was my idea. Hey, let's do this. Suzanne's been implementing. She's like, you know what this is going to cost us? You know, well, actually, I'm the one who's, you know what this is going to cost us? And it'll be three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 that we'll spend out of our kingdom builder's budget to do that. We do things like Habitat for Humanity. They're trying to get the build going. We gave $5,000 to Habitat for their next house, and as soon as they get the rest of the funds, we'll all help build the house that's going to be engrafted. Convoy of Hope, which is our Assemblies of God um, rescue ministry. It feeds the poor. It does disaster relief. We support them. Uh, Church planting. We send checks every single month to our district to help plant new churches in our district. Spencer Lake. Who loves Spencer Lake? Matter of fact, we're just, we support Spencer Lake um, every single month, but we're just asked to give, consider if we'd give another many thousands of dollars because there's some needs there, so that our next board meeting, we have to discuss, do we want to give money to Spencer Lake? And so additional money. Teen Challenge, we send the Women's Teen Challenge and the Men's Teen Challenge hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars every single month that gets sent out. Um, city on a Hill, that's our, our inner city work, downtown Milwaukee. They don't just survive when, when we go down there and we serve and we go, isn't this really cool? Well, guess what? It costs millions of dollars to operate City on a Hill. We send them checks, hundreds of dollars, every single month. All of that money comes out of our Kingdom Builders account. So we have two buckets, the tithe and Kingdom Builders. Now, um, here's what I believe. I believe there are so many more areas of expansion that we could and have the opportunity to invest into um, enabling others to share the good news or us being part of where the good news is being shared locally, and our ability to invest is tied to what's in our second bucket. And I just believe this, God has blessed us so we can be a blessing. And there are a lot of things that we want to add. 
Some we have added that were on the list last year. Last year I said, you know what I want to do as one of them? I want to start grief share. We started our first grief share, didn't we? That, but it cost a lot of money to buy all this stuff, do the advertising, do it. We started grief share. Um, we said last year we wanted to start supporting human trafficking, um, fighting human trafficking. That's why um, the Inner Beauty Center was here. That's why the cart is out in the cafe right now, and you guys are filling it with shampoo and all the stuff on that list. And that, I think, next week it is the last Sunday for that, and it's all going down there. Plus, we send them a check every single month to support what's going on at the Inner Beauty Center in Milwaukee, rescuing ladies who are sex trafficked. And men. Um, just, I said one, just missions projects. There's always, I'm, every day. So this is the truth about the church. 95% of every piece of mail I get at church, probably more, is asking me to support another project. Almost 100%. No one, sends, no one has ever one time in the church that I remember sent a check to the church that was a, not a person from the church and said, I just thought we should support your ministry. Almost 100% of the things, and this is the way it is, is saying, hey, we have, a, we have people dying. Will you send us money? So there's always missions projects that we're asked to support. Special touch. Um, aid ministry to people with disabilities. We want to add special touch ministry to our thing, but our bucket was empty. We couldn't add them. We want to add special touch ministry to our thing. They're coming in in, in fall, special touch, again to do a service, and we're hoping at that time to say we got enough in the bucket to support you every month. This is one that's near and dear to my heart. Aid to small church pastors. And we're going to start this one. I don't know how, but we're going to start it. You guys understand that one, you don't understand this because you live here. In Wisconsin and northern Michigan, one half of our Assemblies of God pastors work a full-time job in order to pastor their church. One half of them work the same job you do and then do my job on top of it. And there's small church pastors. That's over half our churches are 100 and under in this district. And I've had the privilege when I was in missions, I've preached at almost every one of them. I've preached in like, we have 160 churches, I've preached in like 125 of them. I've been to almost every one. They're the finest people you'll ever meet on the planet. And they are sacrificing to take the gospel. Usually don't have health care. They usually don't have, I mean, don't have anything a lot of times in order to preach the gospel in Wisconsin. The most under-resourced people in the assemblies of God are, are small church pastors in America. Our missionaries are well-resourced. Our small church pastors are the most under-resourced people. I want to start a ministry where every month we select another small church pastor, we find out their need, and we send them a check every single month. We pick another person, and we send them a check, and we just say, God has blessed us. We love you. We appreciate what you're doing, and we want to help you. We want to bless you. Wouldn't that be fun to do? That every month I get to report back that Pastor so-and-so in this little small town was just overwhelmed and crying because at just the right time, we sent them a check to help pay their bills so they could keep pastoring the church. Right now, here's the truth. And this is not a guilt thing. This is reality. And i got to stop. In ministry, in church ministry, only 10% of people in vocational ministry today will retire in ministry. I'm a dinosaur. I'm 55. I've been doing it for 30 years. I'm one of the last people that I went to Bible college with that's still a pastor. Almost everyone quits. Almost 100% quit. You know the number one reason they quit? They just can't afford to stay in it. And they quit. And so wouldn't it be cool if we could be part of helping some of those people stay in their local churches? You know, in this one right here, 
um, missions projects. You know what we're going to do, and it's, it's getting pushed back a little bit this year, but we're in the process of it. We might have to do it in two stages. We are partnering with Pastor Chris Elfline in his church. We've been t- Suzanne's been in talks with them for six months. They need to do a building expansion up there, and their church is just struggling with it, how they get the funds, how they do it. And so when we said we want to partner with their building, they, he said it completely changed their board. Their board said, you mean somebody else cares about us? Because they're a little church in Antigo, Wisconsin, in the middle of nowhere. They said, he goes, yeah, Portview is people who care. And so we said, Chris, we're going to part you. We said, we go around the world and we, we just went to Mexico. If we can go to Mexico and take a team and raise money, why can't we go to Antigo and take a team of all of us and go to Antigo for three or four or five days and raise some money and help build their building, right? You want to do that? And so that's what Kingdom Builders is all about. It's just not a check. You know, we write out a check every month, and you can forget. That's why I take one day every year, and I want to say, this is what you do with it. We're changing the world. And so what I'm hoping for us as a church, and honestly, this year, I don't have a goal. Last year, I just felt like the Lord's saying, set $100,000 as a goal. I have no idea. Um, we're on par with last year about with our giving, but... Um, but Here's what I, what I do believe. There's some things we want to add. And when you came in today, you, um, in your chair, was a faith promise pledge. And what these are, and I'll keep it this way because mine's filled out. These are our, the way that we set our basic budget for kingdom builders. And so all I'm asking you to do is this. I just want you to take this. If you've thought about it, I saw some of you already fill yours out. You know what you're going to do. Mine's filled out. We talk about it. We know what we're going to do. And, we, and some of you have been here long enough. We do this every May. I want you to think about and ask God what would he want you to do for kingdom builders. And then write it on there. No one will ever call you or check up on you. This is just so we can say, you know what? I can commit to giving you X amount of dollars a month, Convoy of Hope, because we know X amount's coming in. And so we use this as a baseline for what we give away. Now, here's the deal. If you don't know what you want to do yet, if you're going to do anything, if you don't know what it is, take that card home, and in the next couple of days and couple of weeks, I want you just to ask God, what does God want you to do? And as he speaks to you, fill it out and bring it back. Here's what I think. I think he wants everybody to do something, right? Wouldn't that make sense? I mean, because we're so blessed, wouldn't it make sense that everybody does something? And so when you are complete, if, you're, if you know what you want today when we dismiss, you can bring them up and set them on the table. If you don't know yet, take them home, Usually as husbands and wives, I think, find the best way. We talk about it, pray about it, we come to an answer, and then bring it back and give it to the church, drop it in an offering, so that we can use those numbers to say yes to people. We want to add you to our missions. Amen? Amen. Now, I need to wrap up, because we're late. But I, I don't want to leave without saying this. Because you may be here and go, man, I'm just visiting this church, and this guy's talking about money. And you're saying this, Oh, that's exactly what I told the church. All they care about money. People, when was the last time I talked about a message like this? How long ago? One year ago. You got lucky. One year ago. So it's a bunch of baloney if people say all the church talks about money. We celebrate around here our generosity, and our people are crazy generous. And I want you to understand something. 99,000, we do not have hardly any large contributors. Because that's what some of you are thinking. You're going, oh, well, that's because we got some really wealthy people in the church and they gave 50000 Here's my experience. The people who give the most money 
to this are rarely the people who have the most money, which boggles my mind. I don't get it. But what, the way this is supported is in $100 and $200 monthly commitments from people um, across the board, across the board of our church. That's how it comes in every month. You can ask Pastor Mitch that. We don't have many people who are huge contributors to Kingdom Builders. It's people who are all just saying, I'm going to do something. But if you're here today and you say all that church is talking about is giving, it's just not true. But here's what I want you to hear if you are visiting with us today or if this topic makes you uncomfortable. The Bible uses money as probably the clearest revealer of our hearts. And I get it. I like to, I like to buy stuff for me. Right? I was going fishing the other day. I had to go fishing for my second time this year. And I needed some jigs. Because Larry Smith said I needed eighth ounce jigs on the wolf. On his, on his YouTube channel. So now I bought four packs of jigs. It was $11, $12. You'll see it on the credit card. It's not a lot of money. I don't mind buying stuff. Right? It's okay. So God's blessed us and we can buy stuff. Go out to eat. We took bread out last night to celebrate the end of his semester. Went and got Chinese. That's all right. Having fun. But guess what? For us, we want to be invested in the things of God first. So the very first check I ever write out, that Suzanne writes our check, so the first check she writes out every single paycheck is our tithe. And I'm the only guy in this room, me and Pastor Mitch are the only ones in the room, and Suzanne, anybody who's credentialed, that if we don't pay our tithe, we lose our jobs. Because we have to give 10% and we lose our jobs. Um, but I would do it anyways. I did it before I was ever a pastor. And then the next check we write out every week is our Kingdom Builders check. And here's what I know. God has always cared for me. He's always supplied for me. When we were planting churches and we had no money, I've got the stories to tell that most people can't tell about divine provision. During those whole times, our tithe and our, and our missions, our kingdom was always the first two checks we wrote. There's something about, I don't believe in giving to get, but there's something about obeying what Scripture says and God, and God proving himself to you. And he does prove himself when, we, when we're faithful financially because finances are the thing that reveal our heart more than anything else. If I hold on to my finances so tight, it's saying I really don't trust God. And God uses it as a way not to condemn us, but as a way to say, look at, look how you, tight you hold on. You know what? Maybe there's a heart issue here. And so when we find our hands becoming more open, it's saying we're more open towards the Lord. I honestly believe that. That's not a coercion tactic. That's just saying that's what I've experienced in my life. And so if you're here, understand. God, we're not, we don't talk about money all the time, but we understand God cares for his church. And it's not about trying to coerce people. It's trying to say, you know what? They told us that there's 200, that little block that they work with, that work of that um, um, inner beauty center, from one road to four roads in, in Milwaukee, over 200 people they directly have contact with um, right now who are prostitutes living on the streets, who are, most of them were sex trafficked, and that they're actually helping them some of them get out of prostitution and get real lives free of drugs, free of enslavement, and, and walking with Jesus. And I go, you know what? That's more important than more jigs for fishing. So I want to make sure I do that first. So I want us to pray together as we close. Would you just stand with me?
Father, I thank you. As we celebrate and evaluate, I thank you for an amazing church body of people who this year, this last year said, in addition to support of the local church, said we will give right at $100,000, at a month at a time per family, that we will do that, we'll make, we'll make real contributions, and we will really change the world. And I think that there is incredible proof that what we're doing is making a difference. And God, I would ask for this. I'd ask for every one of us in this place that, Lord, the gift that we would get from you is such an awareness of your presence, such a fullness of your reality, that, Lord, we would understand life in, in, the, in the real picture, that we would see life in the, in the sense of eternity. And we know that everything on this earth is temporal and passing away and someday will be rusted away or burned up. But that souls last forever. That you give us the honor and the privilege of going from our circle to the next circle to the next circle to the next circle. And so, Father, I pray that, God, you would bless us by calling us into partnership deeper so that our life has a greater sense of purpose and value than it ever has before.